Uh, hello, welcome to the Lost Haro Podcast. Uh, I am your co-host, uh, Arlen Haro, and with me is my other co-host, Eric Sayor. Uh, and our junior, Alan Mears, here also. Um, so, and Eric, how are you doing? Doing great, ready to talk spies. Yeah, this is the uh, first time Eric got to pick uh a subject or a theme um and i'm actually really because i really like spy movies and so i was very happy to sort of think about these movies a little bit and revisit at least one of them um but yeah this is an interesting topic and it's such a we can do a lot of a lot of episodes on it because again there's just so many subcategories so yeah, that'll be it'll be interesting. Um, so we'll try to touch like a bit of as many as categories as we can. Yeah, this is sort of going to be kind of a surface thing where we'll kind of talk about we'll talk about how like spy movies kind of have a range, I guess, from yeah. very very realistic to the point where it's it's basically no different from real events that actually happened to. Um, the exact opposite of that um, uh, in some of these movies where it gets very, very silly, but still enjoyable. So that it's an interesting genre that spans such a wide uh, gambit um, of possibilities. So, yeah, uh, we, we decided we're going to start with a movie that we both rewatched, actually. Um, it, it is on that realistic side. Um, and that is Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Um, it is so realistic that if you if you do a little reading between the lines, um, John Le Carre, uh, the writer of the book, which the film is based off of, did work for MI6 before it was officially out as MI6, um, calling itself that publicly. They didn't actually start calling themselves that publicly till like five years ago or something like that. They were known to the public as MI6, but they were still secret. Um, but yeah, he was a, a real agent. John Le Carre is a pen name, obviously, seeing as he's a British agent. Um, and it's based off of uh, things that happened with him and Kim Philby. Um, the book uh, The Spy Who Went Out Into the Cold is also loosely based on the events around Kim Philby, which is something you can look up. There's a documentary on Netflix. I suggest you watch it. That's also great. Um, but I it's about... It. Yeah, it's... Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's pretty great. Um, but yeah, it's very... I, I, I don't even want to say loose. It's almost like... And who went out on the cold, which I haven't seen all of the, that actual film of the book. Um... I know it kind of stays very close to the actual story. This movie is almost like if he had gotten a chance to, like, tell Kim Philby off and, like, get angry with him and, like, confront him. Uh, if you read it as the smiley character, as being uh, John le Carre, um, if that's how you want to read it. Um, and so, yeah, it's very accurate. It feels very, feels very studied. Um, the politics of the time feel like the politics of the time 
And so, yeah, it's just so real and it feels so in context and nothing feels overdone or fake. It it, it all does seem like something that you could actually believe happened. Um, and it's just so well done. The whole movie is so well shot and his use of camera is great and his use of sound and yeah it's it's perfect um eric what are some new things that you found in your rewatch new things i found i i feel like i didn't i feel almost embarrassed to say that the first time i watched it i didn't like i missed a lot or I, or maybe now i'm just misremembering what i thought about the movie but mm-hmm. like the like the, that second watch made me like get every point like one next to the other. The first time I was really confused about that control was dead at the beginning, and then I saw him, and it was flashbacks. I didn't get that part, mm-hmm. which is like I said, embarrassed by the bad first watch. But I don't know; it's so perfectly built in terms of raising the tension, and in terms of you understand the things as the smiley Gary Oldman character gets it and mm-hmm. and it's I, I feel like that build is so well done and it's um, it's very like you said it's a very realistic movie and it's a very like slow paced and incredibly tense at scenes that are just someone picking up a document or someone listening to a phone call and Mm-hmm. It's, it's a spy movie in the sense that it's like, yeah, it's real. The most real spy movie maybe ever made. Yeah, it feels like that. Like, other than movies which are supposed to be about real events or claim to be yeah. about real events, like it is, it feels very realistic. Um, and the, so I had a similar sort of thing when I first watched it. And when, so when I very initially watched this movie, I didn't quite like it, um, and I think it's because the movie kind of washed over me. It didn't. I didn't really catch what was going on, or yeah, I wasn't I, able to. I, I get that yeah. feeling. I feel like that's what's happened to me. But I, yeah. I still enjoyed it in a pure like, just in like some scenes are so good, so well acted, mm-hmm. and the cinematography, like you said, and the sound, they're all like it's it's a beautiful film, like so well shot. Yeah. It is. It's very gorgeous, gorgeously done, and like the fact that it's all, and there are these moments where they're going for like the aesthetic of a '70s movie, like the way that even the way that uh, the front screen or back screen projection works, where it's obviously a car in front of a screen and a projecting it. Like you, you can tell that they're mimicking what they would have done at that time that the movie takes place and it's really weird and it's, it kind of adds something extra to the scene where you're not quite sure what you're looking at so it kind of it adds to the tension of the movie like there's this moment where Benedict Cumberbatch who when he wants to be can be the scariest person on the planet um, he's standing right behind a man who's coming out of a freight elevator um, and the look on his face the background behind him doesn't feel like it's quite there is just like really weird and it's kind of freaky so there are these moments that are very unnerving and 
you're not sure if it's on purpose or not. Um, and it's a lot produced from that. Like there's a point where they're just driving in a car and there's a bee in the car and that's that's, oh, the, yeah, whole, yeah. that's, that's, that's... the whole scene. <laughs> and, and you can tell that they're doing like 70s rear projection. Um, it's so weird. Um, if anybody wants me to explain rear projection, I can, but that's a whole other tangent. Um, I feel like but people I, can Google it. Yeah. Um, there's like a video like explaining rear projection versus front projection that is actually very interesting. But um, yeah, it's but yeah, it's a very well done movie. And like like I said, I didn't get it at first, and then I rewatched it. And every single time I rewatch it, I get more and more of it. And I think what happened initially is this movie is very British, um, to say the least. Uh, and it's so British that the same kind of detachment that British people have with each other <laughs> yeah. uh, carries through to the audience. I didn't get attached to the Smiley character um, throughout the first watch of the movie. So none of it none of it quite made sense. I had to watch this movie three times to realize, oh, Colin Firth, uh, spoilers, I guess, Colin Firth slept with his wife. <laughs> and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it took me multiple watches to get that and to understand the context of that and what was going on. Um, and it took until then for me to read into the Smiley character and like really like him as a character. And that's a, so that's like a problem with the movies. It had a very hard time catching me and like, oh, I relate to any of these characters because they are so outside of my life that it's very hard. I my initial watch, the only character I connected with was Benedict Cumberbatch um, because he seemed the most human and the most not broken down by this career that he'd chosen. Um, it just seemed like a normal guy uh, caught up in all this compared to everybody else in the movie. Um, Maybe you're onto something. Maybe on your first watch where all Benedict Cumberbatch that doesn't really get what's going on like has flashes and more or less is always uh, driven by what Smiley tells him to do. And on the, on, the, on the later watch, you become Smiley because you understand everything. Wow. That, yeah, that is... That's probably that's probably it. Because, as again, you relate more to Smiley as you learn more about him. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is just so much easier to relate to him. Because the first one, you only... For me, that was it. You only always see the small picture, the scene of... The really tense scenes with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch character, but on on the second watch, all all, all I thought about was the bigger picture, like the, mm-hmm. the, the the small tense scene matter less in the the story as a whole, the as a whole. Yeah, and you, yeah, yeah, and you sort of you get all of this and I get this uh, the story just makes more sense to you also like how it connects like when um Tom Hardy in my initial watch way back when when he starts telling his story about Istanbul I didn't understand why he was even telling that story um and it just it fits so much better when you realize how things are going to happen how things are going to end and when you put things together um but yeah, there's all kinds of things where like twists didn't work, but they work so well when you've watched the movie a couple times. Okay. Um, and stuff to do with um, 
I cannot remember his name, Mark Strong. Um, Strong stuff yeah. to do with his character. Uh, it really works more the next time around as you watch it. And his performances, he, he's great. He's he's un, he's low-key one of the most underappreciated actors out there because he is perfect in everything that he's in. Um, yeah, this movie is... Also, this movie is stacked with, like... This is like big British actor. Like, it's like, let's get Asian. all of them. Yeah, yeah exactly, like, all of them. It's like, we're just going to get everybody who is over 40 <laughs> and is British, who, yeah. like, everybody knows just based off of sight. Like, oh, I know that guy. That's yeah. the guy, that's the other guy who played, um, <sighs> Philip Seymour Hoffman played him, but... People know who, who what I'm talking about, but you know he was in the movie Infamous. He also played, um, God, he also played Hitchcock at the same time. Anthony Hopkins was playing Hitchcock. He's one of those actors who like he's in everything. He he's in Doctor Who as uh, what is it, the Dream Doctor? I think the War Doctor. I'm no, the Dream Doctor. Know. It's the Dream episode where he's like their worst nightmares, and he's the doctor he's like a representation of the inner evil inside the doctor mm. um i can't remember the name of that oh, episode you're talking about the yeah he, uh, and the actor is toby jones because that name is showing my bell um yeah oh yeah toby jones. yeah you know i know i know yeah and, i get it, yeah. yeah yeah but um yeah, it's a great movie um again like so so slow and methodical and it really is like you need to watch this a couple times to really enjoy it but every single time is more fruitful as you get the pieces and they all they all start working together like and it just just makes more sense with every watch so yeah that's um and that's again so that's more the realistic and there are movies that sort of lean realistic um, um, real quick, I want to any sort of final thoughts, I guess, because we've sort of gone as far as we can without getting into like major spoilers about Tinker Taylor. Uh, I feel um, it's, there's a scene I really, really liked when. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm going into spoiler to okay, talk can, about it we, because because yeah. it, I think maybe my one of my favorite scenes of the movie and one that makes you understand Smiley the most is when uh, Smiley knows through Mark's strong character that Irina is dead. She got shot yeah. in front of him. Yeah, and uh, Tom Hardy, uh, Tom Hardy's character uh, uh, Ricky. Asked him before 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 Smiley sent him on a mission. He asked him, "Are you can promise you'll do your best, or can you promise you'll bring her back?" Oh, she he already knows she's dead, and it's, and you know that, and he knows it. Smiley knows that uh, you both know that there's nothing he can do because she's dead, and not about to tell her, and it's just that choice and that reaction and the Gary Oldman performance and that in that scene is just perfect and maybe like let's that that scene got me like 
Yeah, it's a great scene. It's a, it is, it really is a great scene. Mm. The way he plays it, it's so, it's so small and so subtle. Yeah, and like th- th- that's what spies have to do sometimes. They have yeah. to like manipulate people, manipulate the people working for them. Like when Benedict Cumberbatch finds out that Smiley has known where Tom Hardy was all along, um, or for a long time. Like, the way that he just walks up and punches Tom Hardy yeah. is, is the greatest. <laughs> like, it's so great. And it's like, well, that's not how you expect things to go. Usually you expect Tom Hardy to be the one beating up on Benedict Cumberbatch. But, um, yeah, it's so, it's so great. Um, yeah. And just, like, and he, he's, like, re- it's, like, angry punching. Like, he's not punching well. He's, like, hitting him with the side of his fist. But it's like he's really angry that Smiley didn't tell him the truth. But Smiley's a master spy. He's yeah. the smartest. Yeah, yeah, the, the smartest character. Yeah, he's smarter than everybody. He was smarter than uh, Command, I think, or Control. Control. I can't remember. Yeah, he he was smarter than Control. <laughs> the only reason he didn't take Control's spot was because I assume Control made him leave with him. Because he knew that another investigation had to be launched, and that Smiley couldn't be inside and really do an investigation. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing. Like I didn't get at the beginning. Why? Why did he get fired? How does this movie work? If he's <laughs> <laughs> how can he? How can he investigate? Find a spy if he's not part of the MIC. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, it's really. Scenes like that, you know that he's manipulating other spies, and he's lying to his own people. Those, those scenes are, like, really well done, and he is really doing his job. And it's one of, it's one of the things where, like, you you remember, oh, this is Gary Oldman. This is, like, this is one of the best in the game. Like, there are a few people that are better than him, and uh, he really reminds you of that um in this movie while he's surrounded by some other best people in the game he's just constantly showing how good of an actor he is and he he disappears into the smiley role he, i i like i kept on had to i kept on having to remind myself that him and tom hardy have been in other movies before um that he, <laughs> he played commissioner gordon <laughs> And oh, Tom yeah. Hardy played Bane. <laughs> and I had to remind myself of that because I was forgetting, oh, that's oh, that's who this That's Gary Oldman. That's not George Smiley. But I would believe it if he told me he was George Smiley. So, yeah, it's, it's a great movie, and it's a great actor's reel for these, some of the best actors Britain has ever produced. Um, so, yeah, it's very interesting. Um... Yeah, do we want to tr- transition to um, uh, sort of North by Northwest and Bridge of Spies, which are sort of, they're not quite as realistic because they don't really get into the nitty-gritty of spycraft, but they they are believable. They're, they're, and one of them is a real event, so it has to be believable. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, but yeah, it's, yeah, I'll let you choose which one of those you want to go with first because... Uh, I feel like let's go from believable to believable and talk about just bias, which is like uh, Spielberg now no, not his most recent work his most recent realistic work 
if we can call it that, because he did BFG since. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Bridge of Spies, I feel, is such a, a solid movie that it feels, uh, feels for me like a really underrated just because you expect that quality and it's there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like it starts as a legal drama and slowly evolves into a, a, a great spy movie and that spy part is really the best part. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, let's talk maybe a bit about what it's about. It's about uh, 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 um, Tom Hanks plays a, a lawyer that that's um, that has to defend a captured spy just a bit after the end of the war. I think I don't remember when it takes place. I Dude. think it's like fifty-five. I want to say. Yeah. Okay. If you, uh, yeah. A few, British. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A few years after the uh, it's during the Cold War. Deep in the Cold War, he's a lawyer. He has to defend a spy. Everyone hates him for it. Hates his family for it. And I feel that the drama is the least interesting. I don't know if you agree with me on that. Um. So I think this is a movie where okay. So I really like just about all of this movie, but I can understand yeah. people not appreciating the first part of the movie where everybody's angry at him and the family drama because we are kind of detached from that part a little bit. Like, I think we can understand um, the wall stuff and the defector stuff because it's, it's more relevant to where we are now in terms of politics and things like that. Yeah. We still do prisoner exchanges now. It's, a, it's still a common thing. It happens all the time. Uh, spot something that just seemed to have not gone away, and we're starting to realize how relevant they are still. Um, but the legal drama and the whole idea of being angry at somebody because they defended a communist, that doesn't seem to ring true as much. Now the idea of being so angry over somebody having a different ideology and having to defend them in that way, I don't know if people would have that quite that same reaction as they did then. Um, I might be Who knows? Um, but yeah, that stuff just doesn't really work as well now. And um, because we like can... The, the, that, I think we can go talk uh, more deeply about the spy part, but it just so slowly paced that that's what that part of me most. But it's very important because it builds... Um, his characters, uh, his it builds Tom Hanks' character a lot, and it make like, it's why he does what he does, and he, why he's chosen more or less to do what he does, and why he, he's which he's which he is because he's so just a so principled man and a man that lives by like by his really <laughs> by his. American principles and that really mm-hmm. believes in them. Yeah. And that is something that really drew me into the character of um, 
like he really believes in the constitution and that stuff and what it means to be an american and the idea and having ideals and defending those ideals and not being kind of an absolutist about some of it you know not not budging an inch you know when he's in that bar with that cia guy and i think that's one of the best scenes in the entire movie is and the cia guy's like come on there's no rules here there's no there's no way that we're supposed to do things we can write it as we go it's fine just tell me what you know it's for the security of our country or whatever and he's like no we have rules they were written 200 years ago and at the moment they still work and our ideals are I have to defend this guy the best I possibly can because he's here and it's my job. And, you know, he says it in a much more eloquent way than I did, but it's and it's a great moment, you know. And I, I remember being in the theater thinking, this is something like Captain America would say. Like, this is like very yeah. Chris Evans-ish. Um, and, I, and I also thought, wow, like, what if like late 80s Tom Hanks had played Captain America? That'd be interesting. Um, but, yeah, like, and he really sells it, like, that he is, like, this adult Boy Scout who really stands by his beliefs. And that really helps when he does get to the spy part of the plot, and he's in Germany, and he's just arguing with these people who have no morals whatsoever, who it seems like you could buy them for a buck, um or whatever the right amount of money might be and he he just will not back down when he has the thing that he believes is right um and that's i think that's what makes the movie interesting for me is you have this character who just he has what he believes is right and he doesn't care what everybody else says to him he's gonna go for what he believes is the right thing to do and he just doesn't give up throughout the whole movie (laughs) and because he's so good at what he does in the end he wins um so yeah that's and it threw all the weird stuff with like the gang of german kids who that, let's be real here they were 100 percent hired to steal his coat from him yeah exactly <laughs> like they were told they were given i don't know what east german money would have been they were given that and they were told when this guy comes by steal his coat steal his coat then <laughs> take his coat um, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we'll take his coat. Um, so that, yeah, that is really great. And all the stuff in Germany with him and the way that they respond to him and his, again, his just fortitude is, it's always interesting. Um, yeah. It's this fortitude that makes him succeed. His, it's, I, I think we talked about it before, but it's such a, patriotic movie and mm-hmm. truly patriotic American movie about uh, a man that believes in himself and he makes other believe in him and that's how he that's how he wins mm-hmm. and he wins not by being necessarily more violent but not even smarter than the other guy he's just more principled and he's mm-hmm. such an honest man that when he's and when he when he bluffs they believe him Mm-hmm. Because he's just so determined to yeah, come home with, with both, um, you know. And it, and again, like, and this is what I love about Spielberg. It's the little bits of foreshadowing. You know, when he when we first meet him, he's telling this 
uh, insurance guy why there were not, I don't remember how many accidents, but he's, it's one accident. It's one, it's one situation here. Don't try to divide this up on me, you know. <laughs> the one person at fault, there was one incident. Don't tell, don't don't go telling me there were two incidents, and uh, and then he has this line that they used in the trailer out of context, <laughs> which I can't believe that they did it so well. Um, but yeah, but like that that stuff is yeah the whole movie's great. Tom Hanks is great in the movie, and he's I just love his reactions to when he hears the way that spies do things. And he's like really. You want me to do this? You want me to sleep in this room that's all dirty and dingy and all that stuff? Yeah, it's yeah. I like the movie quite a bit. If that's not obvious, but um, yeah. Well, and this yeah. is uh, yeah. like uh, talking about Tom Hanks' performance. It's like uh, I don't know. It feels like we take Tom Hanks for granted, but he's just so so good in this film and in almost everything. Yeah. But yeah. this one particularly, when he plays his. Uh, Plays his character and he plays him sick and it's like all perfectly believable and it's all perfectly like he yeah maybe I don't know because we know Tom Hanks so well the character becomes Tom Hanks more than Tom becomes a character or it's just a mix of both yeah but that but that happens a lot I think yeah but I don't know he makes it work so well even if. He's like such a recognizable face. Yeah, I, I, I kind of. There's some movies where I do think that, that happens more, where it's like, oh, that's just Tom Hanks. He's yeah. just, he's not doing anything, so it's easy to take him for granted. Like there are movies where he's sleeping through it, and he's just, <laughs> it's it's the charming Tom Hanks. It's the Tom Hanks that you know, goes on uh, late night talk shows and has fun, and it's always interesting to see him there. But then there are the times where I think in this movie and a couple others where he is he's showing up. He's really like doing something interesting with it, and he's playing somebody who is not him. And I and he just sells it so well. Um, so yeah, um, and I I do like that this is a movie about a guy. This is a fish out of water situation. He's not used to this espionage stuff. He's not used to any of it. Um, and it's just not his world. His world is, you know, it's not quite black and white, his world, but it is much more easy to understand, and it is, it's a world that makes sense to him. The world of spies and lying constantly and lying as a professional courtesy is just not what he's used to. And the way in which he has to adapt to it is so... It's so exhilarating to see him adapt to it, and to see the moments where he realizes, "Oh, okay, this is their, this is that spy shit that I've been dealing with. I know how to do this appropriately now, and I know how to play them against each other in a way." Um, and that stuff's really interesting. How his character sort of, he doesn't become a spy by the end, but he starts to be able to. He starts to understand how you're supposed to play spies and how you're supposed to deal with spies um, when you have to deal with them. So yeah, that's that's a little interesting part of his arc. Um, and I feel like that kind of segues perfectly into North by Northwest because it's a similar situation. It's uh, 
a character who is sort of forced into becoming a spy, and he has to kind of learn on the job. Um, and uh, so we go from Spielberg, who is a modern genius, often called a genius, often called one of the best film directors currently living, to the genius of his day. Uh, at the time, probably, you know, at you know, in the I don't remember exactly when North by North went. But, you know, in 1969, uh, if somebody asked you who the two best directors are of all time, uh, American or British, I guess, um, you probably would have said Stanley and Alfred Hitchcock. Um, and Hitchcock really kills it in this movie. Um, and brief synopsis, it is about um, a advertising consultant i believe i'm pretty I, sure I don't, I, I don't remember his job at all but he's like a new york guy he's like a, <laughs> yeah, he's a don yeah. draper type he's a yeah. he's he very much is don draper like just imagine don draper and you could remake this movie with john ham more easily um you just change it to i don't know china and the u.s maybe um or just like two european countries that don't like each other maybe um but yeah it's and he's like this, you know, kind of, you know, he's a drinker and a boozer and he, you know, he doesn't sleep with the same woman every night or whatever. And um, he just gets caught up in this uh, CIA, I, I'm getting into spoilers on this one. Um, <laughs> it's all this, I feel like. <laughs> you know, so there's the CIA plot to trick, to basically trap Russian spies in which you come up with a fake um, American spy um, who is just traveling the route from New York to Chicago um, and further west also. Um, and you're just moving him around hotel rooms, but he doesn't actually exist. He's not a real person. Um, and these spies, these real spies, um, they mistake him for this fake spy that the CIA has created to trick them and they start going after him and kill him um and it's he it's so well done um Cary Grant who I had never seen a Cary Grant movie before this who he's just the most um and you really do believe that uh, they wanted him to play James Bond and you kind of get that from watching this he, he's, um, he really is a, it feels like a precursor to like a modern not modern but James Bond yeah James definitely Bond movie character yeah. yeah definitely very much like a Roger Moore type James Bond very you know swaggering his way through things and you know having fun and he's he's so charming in this movie <laughs> And is the only thing that for me is his accent because I couldn't place him uh, whether or not he's supposed to be British or whether he's supposed to be American. Um, and it's really just like the way he says "mother." Um, it's, it's so weird, and it doesn't fit. Um, yeah, it's it's enough. No, um, yeah, it's a really good movie. And it again, it's this normal normalish guy, you know, sort of upper middle class guy who is sort of um, forced to become a spy. Forced to adapt and forced to <laughs> do his best only to stay alive when 
surrounded at, by people that know him a lot, a lot more than him. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and there's some interesting people that show up in this movie also. Um, like, uh, what's it? you have people like Martin Lando, um, <laughs> and he's a trip <laughs> because young Martin Lando is a creepy looking dude. Um, and he's the sort of the henchman who is constantly chasing after Cary Grant. Um, and he's great in it. Um, James Mason is great as this villain character. Um, even Marie Saint. Again, like, we're just going back to these old Hollywood stars who I know they were just huge then, but I'm just impressed by all of them. There isn't a single actor in this movie where I'm like, that's terrible acting. <laughs> that's, uh, or that's old and cheesy. They're all doing a great job for a movie from 1958. Um, and I think that just speaks to how good Hitchcock was. He's a master, and he, he shows it on screen. Um, yeah, everything about this movie. The score. The score is beautiful. Um, like, I, I couldn't believe how great this was. And then I realized, oh... The guy who did the score for this taught jumps. Um, so there's this weird, like, little lineage that you can see there, where he taught John Williams. He was uh, he was a contemporary of Jerry Goldsmith, and John Williams came after Jerry Goldsmith, of course. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a very interesting on that level. But yeah, it's just a really it's a really simple movie. It's very much like a chase movie. Yeah, but. It slowly unravels, and you're just confused for a lot of it as you go along, and as it as it unveils itself, it's just really it's kind of thrilling for again for a very old movie. Um, but like you predict certain beats, oh, he's going to change his hair, but the way it happens is still interesting and exciting to watch on the screen. And and you feel him slowly becoming. If you feel the character slowly and slowly becoming. A bit better at his job, a bit better. Not at his job, but I mean, at being a spy and understanding mm-hmm. what's going on. Yeah. Like the, the scene at the. Um, uh, um, give me a second. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll get back to it, but. Like, you talk about how well made it is and the plane scene was very impressive mm-hmm. to be honest like uh, as a special effect and as a and being like so um, so lively so like uh, mm-hmm. so energetic yeah so energetic it's like it's an action scene we from that time and it's I don't know it's really it's a good action scene actually mm-hmm. It's really tense and like, and you know it's coming because I think the airplane is the the airplane sequence is probably the most iconic thing from this movie. Like it's been referenced in Simpsons a billion times, yeah. um, or well, not a, but you know what I mean. It's been referenced yeah. in everything, yeah. um, and everything is copied it in some way. This scene in particular has been copied so many times. So. You are looking for it. You know that when he gets off the bus, oh, this is the airplane scene. But the way that it plays out is so, again, it's so energetic and it's so tense. 
and you're just like waiting for the plane to show up. It's kind of like if you first go into Jaws um, and you're watching the opening scene of that, you're just waiting for the shark to show up. Um, it's very similar. <laughs> like, yeah. When's this plane going to show up? Where, where's the plane at? Um, and when it shows up, it's 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 really kind of scary um, for a couple of minutes. You're really worried that Cary Grant's going to get it. Um, yeah. And it's really well it, done. And then in a Hitchcock, Hitchcock movie, it can happen. <laughs> yeah, in a Hitchcock movie, you're like, oh, shit, he might have <laughs> <laughs> um, but And that but, would be interesting. Yeah, But I was talking about uh, the auction scene. I forgot. The oh, word, oh, the, the auction, auction scene. in English, so I had to look at Yeah, oh. and the, the auction scene is the first time he's like, he he wins. It's a small win. He just survived and get killed. But it's him yeah. using his mind to do something like to yeah. to get out of his the situation and not just look out to it, and he's kind of I mean, using his his own natural skill to lie his way out. Of he's <laughs> but, a um, drunk. He's good at playing drunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, God, there's so many things like earlier in the movie where he's just like drunk off his ass because they've drugged him and they're putting yeah. him in the car, and he manages to get away for a time. And because it's, it's not the first time. You know it's not the first time you've been right. in that condition. You're <laughs> like, okay, this is a guy that's been here before. <laughs> and he's, he's driving way too well for a drunk guy. Um, yeah, and like, and when he turns on the charm, it's it's, it's it works. Um, but yeah, that auction scene is really great. Um, the way he gets out of that is very great. And, you know, I, I love when... Um, What's his? I keep on forgetting it. When James Mason is like, you know what? I actually have to congratulate you on that. You actually did a very good job on that. Of <laughs> getting out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was yeah. A lot of great scenes in this movie, and it's again, it's it's a lot like Bridge of Spies. It's it's not a spy, but it's about just a normal guy who gets caught up in spy stuff, um, and who has to find a way out of it you know and the only reason he continues on in the end is because he kind of falls in love with the female spy character who might not actually be with him um and you're sort of unsure as to whether or not she's on his side um but it's it's really well done and you really do like believe that they like each other um when it does culminate so yeah um yeah, do you have any sort of final thoughts or anything else from this movie that you really want to touch on? I think that's it. Yeah, same. Um, but it's a very good movie you should watch. It's a fun, uh, super good adventure film mm-hmm. as well yeah. as, like, like, it's a good story. Yeah, that's whenever the, I... That's, a, that's the part that I, that I enjoy the most about it. It's just yeah. a, a good story. It's yeah, it's very well told, and it's it's just like I'm always surprised by Hitchcock, um, because I was kind of like, really, is he? There's no way he's that good. But you go back and you watch some of his movies, and you're like, oh no, this is great. This is perfect. This is this is better than a lot of things that are made now. Um, so yeah, it's definitely worth going and checking out an old Hitchcock movie. Um, so now we're gonna kind of shift, and I think we'll use Atomic um, Blonde for this. Um, but Atomic uh, Blonde is a movie came out recently. Uh, if the summer movie special comes out before this, you might have already heard some of our opinions on it. Um, but this movie 
takes place in the 80s during the height of the Cold War, sort of, you know, or right before it's about to end, basically. And it's about this spy, this sort of, uh, I believe, I don't know what the official term is, but she's a headbreaker. Um, she's someone you send in when you need you, you need people to back off when you need when you need some some bullets to get shot um, and some faces get punched. Um, so yeah, and it follows this agent who you you soon realize she might be in over her head. Um, and it's from one of the directors of the first John Wick, uh, and he takes a lot of, I assume, is the visual style he brought to the first John Wick. He takes a lot of the same stunt people who did also work on John Wick 2, and his sense of pacing and story with him. For a movie that, as I think about it more, is a very enjoyable, very fun movie to watch. Um, and it, yeah, it's it's a very interesting movie. And it, I think it kind of got into backlash when it came out that is undeserved, but I think it'll take a couple years to really know that for sure. So, yeah, it's a very interesting movie. Uh, Eric, what are some of your thoughts on it? Um, uh, I, I feel like I, I liked it a lot as an action movie. Mm-hmm. And the more I think about it, I like it also as a spy movie because it's it it, it does the whole, like, twists and turns and who's mm-hmm. spying on who and who's working for who I feel really well it's not it's predictable at the the twists sometimes are really interesting and you all it's different than the other movies we talked about because we always know a bit more than the character than mm-hmm. the than Charlie Theron character does specifically yeah. And she, she feels always over her head in that, and as that, if we can, it's weird because she feels always feel uh, confused but still confident, and we feel that she's more confused than she is, she actually is because just because we know more than she does, yeah. Which is which is a, a kind of interesting way to do it. Still. I feel like it's a the action is we talked about that a lot during the on the last uh, last time we talked about it, but it's like some of the best action in, in modern movies. Yeah, and it's like I think that's how you pronounce his name. Is a is a great action director, and that's another example. And the fight scenes are so the the lady she's she's not strong and a lot less. Um, a lot smaller than a lot of the guys she faced and she gets mm-hmm. thrown around a lot and she's she she fights more with her mind than her body and it, it's it's really great and it's, it's especially great mm-hmm. I do think that that sort of helps towards the angle of this being also a spy movie in that she's fighting the way a spy would fight like John Wick fights the master assassin who can kill anybody would fight. Yeah. That like he that's how that character would work. And she fights the way that a real spy would fight. Uh very dirty and very according to her body type and her size. Um she would 
take any advantage that she has. And yeah, you're right. We did get into the action stuff a lot, but this and I think as I think about it more, I think the spy stuff works for me. Works for me more. Um, when you realize it's not necessarily supposed to be a mystery for us, we are just supposed to go along and feel the things when Charlize Theron feels them. Um, we're not necessarily supposed to be shocked when it's it's revealed pretty early on that McAvoy is a spy, and or it's at least hinted at it. And there's enough yeah. clues there to get that and to realize that. Um, that as long as you're paying attention, at least you know. Okay, well he's he's the traitor or a traitor of some sort. Um, definitely, and he's not. He's definitely not on her side necessarily. Um, the actual reveal is more interesting, um, and whose side he is on is more interesting. Um, yeah, and but I do think the spy stuff really works uh, a yeah, lot more as I think about it. I, I love the the umbrella scene. Um, which is where when they they have to walk down the street during a a protest and mm-hmm. I like I like that scene a lot. It, it surprised me so much. It's like I like that it's everyone trying to get the upper hand on everyone else, and they're they're all pretty smart, and that's what makes it fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that too. I like I do like when she when she has a moment to be smarter than everybody else yeah. in the room. Um, and she plays it so well. Charlize Theron is one of the most convincing people at playing smart or playing just good at what she does. Like, she's just, she's so expert at that kind of emotion of like, yeah, no, I know more than you. Um, and I have a secret that you don't know, <laughs> um, that nobody knows. And, uh, I, I do think the ending, again, the more you think about it, the more it makes sense, and the, the more the movie works, um, and I definitely like it more as I think about it. I like the fact that, again, spoilers, um, if you haven't seen this one, um, it is uh, she is revealed to have been a triple agent? Yeah. A, yeah, a triple agent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, who was, uh, at first you think she's been working for Russia, she's this sort of double agent who would be outed by this list, this master list that somebody had compiled, um, uh, on the KD side. Um, but then you get the reveal that, no, she's not a double agent for Russia, she's a triple agent for America, (laughs) who infiltrated Russian intelligence and then got into British intelligence after the fact. Um, and it's and it's a very confusing and kind of silly reveal at first, uh, at least when I initially watched it, but it it works as as time goes on. And again, her comment in the movie um, that she that she is the one who really is pulling everybody's strings and that she has the upper hand, which many times you, you're like, no, why is she acting like that? She should not be acting so confident. Um, 
you get that more. So yeah, that's a, that's something that's interesting about the movie. I do think it's a movie that, as we have more time to think about it and process it, I will have stronger feelings for or against it as I as I rewatch it and stuff because yes. I really do want to see it again. Yeah, knowing, I want to see how knowing the twist make mm-hmm. how did that, does that influence her throughout the movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, then there's. There's so many little things. Like the world building is great. The idea that there's these watchmakers who aren't on either side and who sort of make these lists. Um, like all the little details of this world that make it feel very real, despite being. I won't say it's elevated. It's not quite as ridiculous as some other spy movies, um, but it's very. It's it's definitely not our world, but it is. A, a version of our world. I and mean, this is much more believable than some of the movies that we're going to get into. Yeah, I feel like we can compare it, it uh, with a movie that, uh, that that drove me to choose this subject, actually, because the second one just came out, uh, Kingsman, which is mm-hmm. a spy movie and an action movie like Atomic Blonde, but I feel like only... Truly is an action movie more than anything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it leans more towards action movie. The spy stuff is really secondary in Kingsman. It's really more the aesthetic of being a spy and how cool it is to be a spy. Isn't it so cool that we get to dress in suits and you know save the world? It's that stuff. Have a lighter hand grenade, and mm-hmm. yeah, like it's that fun James Bond stuff from that really got indulged in uh, during Roger Moore's time as James Bond. But it's that like turned up to eleven, um, or in the case of Kingsman Two, turned up to like seventeen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and it really just gets kind of ridiculous. But it's so fun, and it's so willing, kind of poke fun at itself and be like, yeah, come on, we know this is ridiculous. We, we get it. We know it's ridiculous, but we know it's super fun and super cool and you want to see that, so we'll show you. <laughs> but it's, uh, at the same time, it's it, the tone of the movie matches so well with what it's trying to do, which is mm-hmm. more take those old James Bond and put a, make them as visually pleasing as uh, a Movie, movie like that can be. Yeah. And it's just the use of action and the use of comedy um, throughout the movie is just so fun and it's so light and it never feels weighed down. At least, I, I'm really speaking the first one. Um, it's just so it's just so fun. Yeah. Um, and it feels so well regulated. The action never gets too crazy. Um there are scenes where it's like, oh, we're just going to just show you how crazy action can be, but this isn't going to be the whole thing. Uh, the church scene is, it's magnificent. If I was yeah. to pick out a scene from that movie that's like the reason you need to watch it, it's the church scene. Um, but it's, it's yeah, it's really good. <laughs> we both watched it. came out recently. Um, I like it. Partially because of how much I like the first one, and because Taron Egerton is great. Um, He's yeah. even better and in the second one. He builds. Yeah. He he feels more like 
a movie star and I feel like he has a bright future because he <laughs> he's only better at that. Yeah. And he yeah, he's just so charming. Um and the like, movie overall yeah. I would just want to say it feels like in the first one like Con first character is very much the 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 one that you see the mm-hmm. like he's the model spy and then the second one uh he takes over so well and he becomes like mm-hmm. like like now I want to watch him do other stuff and I want maybe more interesting stuff also yeah and I do think and this is really my only like big problems with the second movie is it's a little bit overstuffed um like there's just too much going on there's just far too much going on for that movie to really work like you could make three separate movies out of that movie that are all good and all very interesting yet at the same level of coherency as the first one um you could make a whole movie about bringing back the um character um and i think that would have been more interesting and you could have done a whole movie just about the statesmen um who are <laughs> the funniest commentary on america i've ever seen oh yeah um, they are just they're just so perfect um and <laughs> the president in that movie <laughs> who is played by uh who's played by a canadian so uh you, you should have some pride in that uh, he's, uh, I can't remember his name, but yeah, he's he's so good. Um, yeah, it's it's, but yeah, it's a good movie. The second one, it's not again, it's not as tight, and it's not as like I think the first is legitimately like great movie. Um, and people who don't think so, maybe they just see it as kind of a B movie or something, you know, kind of cheesy. But I think it's like it's got such heart and. It's just so relatable, and it it feels like Superman, but with James Bond. Um, yeah, yeah, and I like that comparison. Yeah, and that's part of why I like it so much. And the second movie, it has that heart, but it doesn't know where that heart wants to go. Um, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, I've... it feels. Like it should have been. I don't know. It, the first one is great because uh, his character grows from being nothing to being mm-hmm. something to being to being mm-hmm. a man. He, he he grows and he changes and he, he becomes a spy. He was more or less. And in the second one, it's more about his growth is more about being in a relationship. His relationship with the yeah. With the princess, but it's never. It's yeah. It, it feels like not even secondary, tertiary. There's just so much stuff in that movie. I feel like mm-hmm. he, and I have liked it probably way better without converse at all. Yeah, I think they could have they could have saved some of this like movies, and yeah. like and that's the thing. Like I I get the idea of. Well, we don't know if they'll let us make another one. Yeah. <laughs> so let's just do it all at once. Um, but I don't, I don't think that was quite the right idea, because confidence in your movie and confidence in your story goes a long way. And I think even if you had made a movie that wasn't as well done, 
I think Fox would have been like, yeah, make another one. Why not? I, ho- I, you hope, know, you know? I hope the third one, maybe, I don't know if, I feel bad saying that, but I hope the third one goes to like a, some unknown director that makes something smaller and more like mm-hmm. in a singular direction than yeah. I feel Mike Tuvon. I think it's the first time Matthew Vaughn's done a sequel to his movies. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. so good at starting something. Like, uh, First Class is great, Kick-Ass is great, and The First Kingsman is great. Mm-hmm. But uh, following up, maybe he went just a bit too big. He tried right. to, to do too many things, like I said. Yeah, and like I've always wondered what... It's, an, it's good that we finally got to see what his version of a sequel would be. And now we know maybe that's not the best idea for him to do a sequel to his own yeah. stuff. Um, you know, but maybe there's a reason that there isn't a layer of cake, too. Um, um, that's a, a joke for film nerds there. Real deep film nerds. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's still a good movie, and I will, like, if they make another Kingsman, I'm, I'm there. I'm in. Because I, I really do care about this Eggsy character. And I, I think you're right, the I think the movie was intended to be that the princess is the heart of the movie and him and them taking this joke that nobody liked from the first movie. <laughs> I feel like it's a universally hated joke uh, that <laughs> that I won't even repeat because people hate it so much. Um, but it was universally hated and they found a way to make that the heart of the second movie. And I think for the first act or so it actually kind of works. I, I think um, I actually like that part them it's just not enough mm-hmm. yeah it's it just they kind of lose track of it like yeah. it just becomes a cutaway and it's it just doesn't work as the movie goes on it works less and less and it becomes less interesting as it goes on because they kind of forget about it um and they yeah. they focus on this thing about america and our way and the way that we treat drugs um and it kind of loses track i don't know I feel like the 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 only reason the whole uh, the the whole Colin the first arc happened is just to have him at the ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think so too, and I think that I think it is like a sign of like again like we don't know if we're gonna get so yeah. we should get Colin Firth back. It's like. Why why not wait a whole movie or two whole movies and you, you could still do that plot of Colin Firth comes back for some reason or they find some reason to have him um, come back and it would have been just as interesting and just make that a whole movie on its own. But yeah, it's it's interesting. It's an interesting thing to talk about the second, the second Kingsman. How there's so much there's so much of it that's really likable and so much of it that's really fun. Well, at the same time, it has it has issues. Um, and so the whole, yeah. I feel like a lot of more modern big blockbusters, especially Marvel movies, they they end with a big set piece that kind of mm-hmm. feels bore feels boring and doesn't really matter. Uh, yeah, like uh, Iron Man Three is an example of that, and it's a movie that I love, but I feel like it ends in a huge fight kind of. I don't know, not 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 that fun, but the mm-hmm. ending set pieces of both things, man, is superb. Mm-hmm. It's because you watch that movie a lot to see how 
to see fights and that are completely ridiculous and over the top and very fun. Yeah, I do think that. Yeah, I I think that they kind of start to overuse certain things though. Uh, and uh, I again, I really like the movie, but I do think that there was kind of a an instinct to say, well, let's just do the church fight like fifteen times. Um, where what made the church fight fun was the church fight was the only church fight, um, if that makes sense. Um, and like having, it's like you know if Daredevil uh, was just hallway fights every episode, well then the initial hallway fight and the second hallway fight wouldn't be fun. Um, so it kind of got to that for me. Like, okay, well how many times are you going to use the over ramping and the high and the slow mo and how like you're kind of killing it for me a little bit and making it less interesting, but I still again I still thought it was very well done, so I was able to appreciate it on that level. And I do agree, like so many of these action movies, they just get to this very unrealistic point where you can't buy into anything that's happening on screen. You just don't you don't care. Like one of the best movies of this year is Wonder Woman. Um, the last action scene in that movie has like a couple moments that are that really work and they're all emotional moments they aren't actually anything with action in them uh, it it really is just like her stuff with chris pine that works and her final speech that works before she saves the day or wins or whatever um and n- none of the action in that really is like exciting um it's all the emotional stuff that's going on that really grabs your attention. Um, Opposed to like something like Logan, which does both. It's both yeah. a great action scene and it boasts everything during it. Yeah, and you feel this sense of like, this is the last time this is going to happen on screen. Yeah, exactly. So, like, this is the last time he's going to get to do this. So they're going to make sure that it's perfect. Um, it it really is. I'm like when the music starts playing and and X23 is jumping off of his back and ganking people. Um, yeah, it's it's so yeah yeah. Action scenes are kind of it's very easy for them to become boring and just disconnected. Yeah. And I think Kingsman does a very good job in the end of having an ending that actually matters compared to some other movies. Um. Okay, um, I think we can use Kingsman, unless you have a final Kingsman, to go into something else that's more comedy also. Oh, no, uh, I know, I feel like we should end on the comedy, and mm-hmm. I feel like the best, the best spy comedy is Spy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's definitely the most recent one, and I think it set the standard for what a spy comedy should be. Yeah. Um, and I remember in 2015 when that movie came out, was it 2015? Yes, 2015. It 2015 is also the year of Mission Impossible Five, which is another movie that we will talk about in depth at some point. Um, and Spectre and Spy is the best spy movie of that year. <laughs> um, so that I, says a I, I lot. Do, I do like Mission Impossible Five a lot. I think it's I like a, it too. It's I a like great. It too. It's a good. It's a really good. Film. But Spy is like a a great comedy, and we don't see it. A lot of great comedies. Great big budget comedies. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, like, it works as a spy movie also. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's important. Like, I remember watching it and being like, this is more of a James Bond movie than 
any of the last six James Bond movies, which is not a put down on a movie like Casino Royale, which is like my best Bond movie ever made. Yeah. So this is not a put down on that, but it's just so like from the opening theme, <laughs> which is just like, oh, this is a Bond song. Okay, it's not really like one of the better Bond songs, but it is like it just feels so loving of James Bond as an idea while having this this sense of humor that is just it's just brilliant and it's just always going and there's so many jokes and there are some moments that are just perfect where you're like oh that's Melissa McCarthy that's the okay well that's the script that's just Jason Statham just being let off a leash and doing whatever <laughs> Jason Statham wants to do because Jason Statham in this movie is insane <laughs> I want to reattach my own arm I once had to, I once had to convincingly go on television, while dressed as Barack Obama. <laughs> like just, God, it's yeah, it's one of the funniest movies of the last years. I think um, one of the best comedies of this century. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely, and also a pretty good like spy movie. Yeah, like the spy stuff is interesting, while being very funny and making fun of the spy plots that you get in all the James Bond movies and the Mission Impossible movies. Um, you know, there's a thing that we have to find, and if we don't get it, people will die, blah, 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 you know, which is what spy movies kind of became at a certain point, where it's like, yeah. there's a nuke somewhere, and we have to find the nuke, but that's just like all action movies, you know, all of... The Da Vinci Code movies eventually became, well, there's a bomb somewhere, and we have to find the bomb. Um, and, uh, like, it's just become this thing where it's like, oh, well, we have to find a thing that's going to blow up or a disease that's going to get released, and if we don't find it, everybody it. And it sort of makes fun of that in a very humorous way, um, where <laughs> they've had the bomb the whole time. <laughs> They just have had it. They've been driving in it for 30 minutes. It's been in a car or whatever. Um, and the reveal on that's great. Um, and also, like, uh, Rose Byrne as a villain. Yeah. <laughs> and she's, she's the meanest villain ever. Like, she's, some of the things that she says are just so cunningly mean. And you're like, holy shit, she just said that out loud. Who would say such a thing? Um, but And then you find out, like, oh, she was just playing the whole time. She's kind of having fun with her. They, they kind of like each other at the end. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I love them. It's, it's, I do it's think a, it is. Yeah, it's a, it's a comedy, and I don't know, you, you, it feels like one of those when you really feel like everyone is having fun making it, which is, it just makes it more enjoyable and more fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some of the jokes are so surprising. Yeah. Like, like their version of Q is so demeaning to her. <laughs> and it's like, hemorrhoid cream? Really? Um, and I can't remember if it's actually hemorrhoid cream or, not, or if it's actually a gadget, but it, I can't remember if he's like, no, I just thought that you might have hemorrhoids. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> but no, he's like, I'm just giving you things that your cover would have or that you would have. <laughs> so mean. And he's just so shitty to her. Um, and the fact that they make her dress up like a crazy cat lady is just brilliant. Um, 
I don't know. It's so great. And like again, Jason Statham, like he's in her room, <laughs> <laughs> pretending to be the wall. Yeah. He's in a corner, and he's just disguised as the walls. <laughs> and like, God, there's so many good things about the movie. Like, there's oh god, like, there's a point where they've been like following this bad guy who has a camera or whatever, and the bad guy has been taking pictures of himself. Um, and I think the camera, what is it? So, and these girls are on the computer looking at his pictures, and they find a picture of his dick. Um, and one of the girls takes the camera with her. Um, it's just so many weird jokes and so many weird lines. And, like, there are bats in here. We're pretty sure the bats have been shitting everywhere. And then somebody, like, hits thing, and, like, a bunch of bats show up. <laughs> God, so many good jokes in the movie. Um, this yeah, I can just go on. No, it makes me want to rewatch it. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, like there's more jokes per most movies have ever had. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's really good. I do think like it set the standard. Like, um, what's his face? Uh, Mike Myers wanted to do like a new Austin Powers point pretty recently, and I think the reason it hasn't happened is because he watched Spy and he was like. Damn it! Yeah, I can't do something that good. <laughs> yeah, he's like, okay, well, the bar is too high for me now. <laughs> I will never reach the bar. Oh well. Um, all that said, Mike, if you write a good script, it, it won't matter. You can make something funny again. You just have to not be in fifteen Trek movies. <laughs> um, yeah, but Sp- Spy is just so funny, so incredibly funny, and it ha- and it also has a lot of heart. And there's, and there's some good reveals too. Like, I mean, again, we've already gone into spoilers for other movies. Part of the plot is that uh, the, uh, what's her name? I can't remember her real name, but the uh, the lead character, she is in love with the Jude Law character, um, and it's it's the thing that gets her to go on the mission. And it's told later on that he's been bad the whole time and that he faked being dead. Um, and she's been going on this mission to get vengeance for him. Um, and that reveal is played very seriously and it works. Um, so, yeah, like there's a lot of moments that are like surprising and you're like, oh, wow, that really that really worked on me on like a real serious, not jokey level. Um yeah, very good movie. Very well done. And it's like Melissa McCarthy being... I think it's... I, I am up and down on her, but in that movie she's mm-hmm. uh, she's really, really good. Yeah, it sort of supports her that when she's with Paul, Fe- Paul Feig, Paul Feig, Paul Feig, yeah. um, who... Uh, yeah, there's so much to talk about with Paul Feig's career. But um, he... <laughs> Paul Feig was shafted. Anybody that disagrees with me, F you. He got shafted on that movie. You know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, aside from one movie that where things went way out of control before it even came out, every movie he's done with Melissa McCarthy has been gold in my mind. Um, Bridesmaids was really funny and really surprising when it came out. The Heat is one of those really underrated movies that nobody's really seen 
but everybody who I know who's watched it loves it. Um, and it's very similar to Spy, but Spy is just like the culmination of his ability to combine great humor and heart and really good action. Um, like again, like movie level action. There are chases in that movie that are funny, but really exhilarating and really exciting. Um, so yeah, that's um, that's sort of my thoughts on Spy. Um, do you have any other thoughts on it? Uh, I feel <laughs> I feel you like that movie a lot more than I did. I didn't th- I think too much about it except that it was like super funny and and yeah, uh, yeah. I feel like I should rewatch that because. And it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. I remember everything you remember was just loving it. Yeah. Um. Okay. Um. And here's the thing: we would go on about James Bond and Mission Impossible, but like, those are those are whole episodes to themselves. Um, <laughs> I think I I realized that while we were as we've hit our out mark, but um. <laughs> yeah. Um. Definitely watch those movies before we do a James Bond episode. We'll probably have to do, like, five um, James Bond episodes because there are so many of them. Um, but, yeah, like, a quick thing. Bond is, like, my favorite franchise, like, ever. So, yeah, go watch those if you haven't seen them. They're great. Um, uh, start with Connery, and uh, this is my advice for anybody trying to watch James Bond. If you're not in in the first half hour, turn it off. That, that That's, yeah. If you don't like anything in the first half hour of a James Bond movie, you don't need to watch it. So yeah, that's my short little advice on James that's Bond. That's a good advice. Yeah, because you'll you'll know you'll know if if it's for you. Um. Yeah. So I guess we could um close up on spy stuff. Uh, Eric, yeah, you uh, your plugs, your twitters, and such things like that. Uh, you can. Follow me on Twitter at E-S-A-Y-O-U-R where I review everything I watch and complain about my job. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Again, I've said it before, his reviews, his small reviews, they're good, they're insightful. Sometimes I disagree with them. You'll see that too if you follow him and you follow me. Um, Yeah, Uh, you can follow me there too at A-A-Haro. Get my, also my complaints about my job um, also, um, and all kinds of weird stuff that comes out of left field that you might not understand, because you never will. Yeah, so, I guess, ha- have a good time, everybody. Bye! Bye! Bye.